Hi there. Welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I am Benjamin Light. And I am Marco Sparks. And today we're talking about S4E14. Who's in the box? In the box. Ah, who's in the box? <sighs> so, uh, this is basically our kind of half season premiere, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 4B. I mean, I, I kind of enjoy the way PL, uh, the ABC family schedules PLL because they, they just do them in these big chunks. You get like 12 episodes and then a special. And then 11, 12 more, depending on how many episodes in the season. But it's so much more preferable to, like, the way Network does it, where it's like, here's four episodes, and then a couple of weeks of reruns, and then here's a few more, and then more reruns. Or, you know, like, your hardcore premium cable channels, where it's like, here's your 12 episodes, if that, uh, in a little over a year... We'll give you the next well, 12. That would be interesting for a show like PLL, just if the writers didn't have to do 24 of these years. So you're just going to do 12. Like I'd, I'd be very interested to see what they could put out with a more relaxed schedule because they shoot constantly for the show. Yeah, they do. And it's nice because, like you said, you, you never go more than a few months without PLL. Mm-hmm. It, it gives you that time for it to kind of retreat from your memory and then to come back hardcore. You know, work on all your theories in the off season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this episode written by Joseph Doherty, directed by Chad Lowe. Chad Lowe's back. Indeed, he is. He's I'm pissed just, off that the Dodgers lost. Yeah, nothing to really tie this in except when we first noticed Hannah's face. But uh, we're gonna just say that that Chad Lowe's trademark is Ashley Benson's face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we all start off. We're looking out Spencer's bedroom window onto Spencer's backyard, where we ended the previous episode. Uh, Spencer's the one looking out the window. The four liars are there in her room. Um, it's like she, she's watching where they last saw Allie and just what's, pondering. It's an interesting scene because we're basically going to trace our steps over the known info. Mm-hmm. Hannah says, I mean, where has she been all this time? Uh, and the others are kind of like talking behind her. The, the hammer stays on Spencer in the foreground, just like watching out the window. Ari says, I don't know. Emily, uh, she says, do you think she's been hiding right here in Rosewood? And says, why would she be hiding? Why won't she just come back? And Ari says, I don't know. And Han says, you keep saying that. Ari says, because I don't know. Also, Arya's supremacy as the almighty Shusher has been crushed. Like, Allison came in and just nailed it with her Shushing performance last time. Arya may be feeling a little weak. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we cut back to the, the other three liars. They're all talking in their PJs here. Uh, that might be Arya's fancy dress from the last episode on the bed. It's hard to tell. Hmm. Yeah, Spencer's in her in her uh, mind palace, so it's up to Emily to lay out what they do know. The facts Emily are these. and some nice little boxers there. Yeah, the facts are these. Someone tried to kill Allison. They buried her in the backyard. Runewald pulled her out. Hannah says, yeah, like a carrot. <laughs> and Arya wonders, you know, why didn't she just tell the cops? Emily says, which cops is she supposed to tell? Wilden? Garrett? Well, it's like, take that, fans who bitch about that. And says, Allie not calling the cops is the only thing I do understand. Yeah. Ari says, guys, we just found that Allie's alive. She's really alive. Why am I not insanely happy? <laughs> and he's like, I-, I thought it was just me. And Hannah says, it's not. And Spencer retreats from her mind palace, turns around, and says, look, we can figure out how we feel about this later. The fact is, Allie's alive. Okay, and she's been hiding out this whole time. Maybe it was Rosewood, maybe it was Philadelphia, maybe it was Nova Scotia. Uh, sooner they can make it okay for her to come back, sooner they can sit her down in the chair and ask what the hell is going on why she would do this to them. Yeah. yeah, so Emily points out that Allison always liked games, and Arya's like, what? Like she was playing with us? Chasing us around the game board? Like, and Emily finishes that sentence with, like she was A? 
Tell me you haven't thought of that yourself. And Hannah says, no, that's crazy, isn't it? And Ellie says, we have to consider every possibility, don't we? And Hannah says, not the ones that will make you hide in the closet with a quart of ice cream. Nice. Uh, Spencer says, there's someone Allie is so afraid of. She can't come back. Who? Emily's saying that uh, Toby says the only thing Shauna was guilty of was selling Jenna's car to Mona. So that's what that whole thing was from the last episode, where Shauna goes to see Mona at like, the bed and breakfast. So yeah, so now Mona has Jenna's sweet ride. Uh, also, that's what she was giving Mona. It was like, I don't know, the pink slip. If Mona kills Shauna, then Jenna basically would find herself in the plot to John Wick coming to theater soon. Mm-hmm. Well, and so basically, like, because Shauna is just like, she doesn't have a choice anymore. Shauna is selling Jenna's car to Mona because Jenna can't drive it because her ass is going blind again. Well, here's the nice thing is, is Shauna doesn't even have to tell Jenna that she did that. Because as far as, yeah. as far as Jenna knows, the car's parked out front. Well, is Jenna, like, still in a coma or something? I mean, when's the last time we saw Jenna? I don't know, but just imagine her feeling around. Where's the car, Shauna? And Shauna's <laughs> like, little to the left. Little to the left. Little to the left. You're almost there. Little to the left. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so Arya mentions that Cece's been busy running around the cops from the cops because, you know, she killed Wilbin. And Hannah's like, well, what about board shorts? And Emily's like, we don't even know if that's a real person. And Spencer says it was a real person who came after me in that house. Which meaning Gas Mask Doughboy, who was probably Ezra. I, it would seem confusing and kind of convoluted for it to be someone other than Ezra at this point. Mm-hmm. We've already had two red coats. We have like two gas mask guys too. Yeah, yeah. Um. So then cut to the mausoleum, the one where Allison is, where they thought she was buried. There, someone's buried. Yeah. Where Toby's mom is, where Spencer vandalized Toby's mom's like marker. The girl show. She up ever uh, like does Toby know about that yet? I wonder. She, um, the by girl the way, up Toby, just don't be mad. Sorry. Well, he has nothing to be mad about. I mean, mm-hmm. he does, but. You know, I think I think they're almost even. So we find out that Arya from Arya that Caleb, who's marine, marooned in Ravenswood, went back to the lair there and found nothing. Yeah, Hannah says the place is completely cleaned out. Uh, so they come, they kind of walk over to Allie's grave, although we don't really see it. Uh, and Spencer says, you know, I wonder if Allie's reached out to anyone besides us. And Arya says, such as. And Spencer says, such as her brother. Maybe we should be talking to Jason. Ari says, no, we all agreed it was too dangerous to tell anybody. Whoever tried to kill Allie is still around. Again, Arya the Contrarian. Mm-hmm. Spencer says, suppose Jason already knew it was about Allie. At least then they wouldn't be the only ones in charge of the secret. Uh, but the rest of the liars aren't really feeling this. And Hannah kind of steps forward and announces, like, hey, I've been thinking and I have a theory. The look on Spencer's face is just like, oh, this should be entertaining. What a condescending Let me bitch. Popcorn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Spencer scoffs. She literally scoffs. Uh, you have what? <laughs> and Hannah's just like, a theory, bitch. Do you want to hear it or not? Spencer's just being so condescending. She's like, uh, pfft, uh. And Ari's right. just like, don't fight in the crypts, guys. <laughs> I mean, it's this is probably like, what, two days in a row that these poor girls have been in one crypt or another. These are mm-hmm. bad metrics as far as how many crypts a teenage girl should be in. They spend as much time in there as Buffy does. Yeah, yeah. So Hannah says, hey, look, Allie's not in the box. She's alive somewhere, but somebody is dead, and that somebody must have been buried in the backyard after Allie pulled out, but before the men came to tear up the gazebo and pour the cement. And Spencer corrects, gazebo. And Hannah says, whatever. And Spencer just kind of shrugs at this, and Hannah says, it still means there's a girl missing somewhere, and that girl went missing around the same time that Allie did. So we figure out who's really in there and connect them to somebody that we do know, 
then that will solve the whole thing. Arya says, yeah, but that body in the box is identified as Allie. How, how did that happen? Emily doesn't know how, but it was. And Arya says, yeah, so why? And Han says, because it was important to somebody that we think it was Allie. Mm. And Spencer nods. She's like, you're right. That's an actual theory. Spencer's mystified at Hannah's logic. Mm-hmm. It's solid. Oh, it is. And Hannah, Hannah just kind of smirks at this. Like, mm-hmm. apology accepted. Uh, yeah, so the four liars stare over Allison's box there. Her wherever, wherever she's supposedly resting. Uh, by the way, the guy. <laughs> David Lazarus. The, David Lazarus is buried in the wall next to Allison. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Emily's looking at the box and she says, knock, knock. And Arya says, who's there? And then again, we see Allison's epitaph. Unable are the love to die, for love is immortality. My darlings. And so, then we go to our credits. So after the credits, we get a different establishing shot of Rosewood than we've ever seen before. Like, they got tired of that train, you know, going across the background of Rosewood there. And we see that it is one week later. Yeah, we get the title card. I want to say the last time we did that was season two when we came back for, like, 2B. Uh, it was one month later. Yeah, this appears to be in a courier for some reason. Mm. Um and then we go to Allison's bedroom. Mrs. De Laurentiis is changing the sheets or, or like she's making the bed with that, that comforter, uh, with like the writing on it. The First writing. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a strange comforter. Yeah. Doesn't like Mona have that one too? I feel like she would. I thought it was maybe Hannah. Was, was it Hannah? Okay. Maybe it's Mona. Maybe it's all of them. Who knows? Yeah. So yeah, changing the comforter and Emily is there. And she's like, oh, you still changed the sheets. And Jessica says, fresh linen keeps her room from getting musty. And Emily just kind of nods, like, sure. And Mrs. D says, uh, Emily, you wanted to ask me about Jason? And Emily says, yeah, I tried calling him, but his voicemail's all full. Do you know where he is? Um, Emily is wearing, like a, like, a dark shirt and a dark skirt. And at first, I thought this was basically, like, a night shirt. It kind of looks like that, yeah. So I was like, is she living there again? What the hell's happening here? Um, so Mrs. D points out that, you know, people react to stress in different ways. And Mrs. D is pretty sure Emily can understand why Jason's reacted the way he has. Why he needs some time to himself. Yeah, so Mrs. D says that Jason told him he was going to drive across country, maybe stop and see some friends in Montana, but he has no set plan. Because Jason's a screw-up loser. Yeah. You can't make a plan. Um, so Mrs. D can reach him in case of emergencies. And then she turns to Emily and says, is this an emergency? And he's like, no, no, ma'am. Just uh, if he calls, tell him I said hello. Jessica says, certainly. I think it's time that I change this comforter, don't you? And she pulls it off the head, and Emily has this, like, super weirded out look. She's like, yeah, I guess. Like, because didn't she just put that comforter on the yeah. bed? Yeah, she, she picks it up, and she just walks right out. Like, mm-hmm. So Emily's just like, yeah, I guess. So Emily's about to leave. Then she stops, and she sees on Allison's desk there a picture of the four liars together. It's oh, the four liars, like, you know, like, resting on their elbows, on their stomachs, on the grass. Allison's right in the middle. And Emily, like, walks over to the picture, kind of picks it up. Then she holds her thumb over Allison in the middle there. Yeah. Uh, also, note the arrangement. We have Arya and Hannah on one side, Spencer and Emily on the other. Mm-hmm. Of course. But yeah, she's putting her thumb over Allie like she's... She's not ready yet for a world where Allie is back. Right, right. And then she looks at herself in the mirror and Allie's vanity there, just kind of pondering what to do with these feelings. She needs to go back to her, like, hypnosis murder land. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Hannah's kitchen, meanwhile, Hannah's on her laptop. I believe this is the first time we see the PLO version of Google. It's called Exter, which I, I'm pretty sure the X is short for website page. 
Right, right. Uh, and Hannah's uh, Exterine, Missing Teen Girl, Labor Day, Pennsylvania. Which is funny because that's the name of my Tumblr. Yeah, she also happens to be spelling Pennsylvania right, which I'm impressed with. Although I guess if you live there, you get used to it. Y- you would think. <laughs> well, it's Hannah. Gaze bow that. Um, so all the hits she get she gets are for Alison De Laurentiis. At first, when she scrolls down, there are some other hits there that for for different people. But yeah, obviously, lots of stuff about Allie when when you look this up. Uh, in the background, you can hear Ashley's on the phone. She's talking to someone. She's saying like, "Oh, I understand, but the interview's already set up. Why don't I just come in anyway?" And Hannah closes her laptop as Ashley walks in. And Ashley's saying, "No, it wouldn't be inconvenient at all. No, <sighs> I appreciate that. Thanks for the call. Bye." So she hangs up, and Hannah's just like, uh, you think the bank is telling other people not to hire you? And Ashley says, they don't have to. People watch the news. They read the papers. And Hannah's mad because uh, she didn't kill Wilden. She's innocent. And Ashley says, well, people make the distinction between innocent and not guilty. It should be pointed out, this is the start of them doing something different of Ashley's Benson's hair in 4B. It's not really flattering to me. Um, oh, not a fan. Uh, of Hannah's hair and four. I guess you're much. you're a fan of like the beachhead Ashley Benson hair, right? Which one would be the beachhead? The like the, season like, two. The no, like um, season three, her getting the pink drink thrown in her face. Uh, perhaps more so than this. I like everything that Hannah's probably done more so than this. I it, like. It's possible like the... that this is actually a wig. I know she had to wear a wig for some episodes this season. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah. So Ashley's pretty sure that there are plenty of jobs out there that won't consider her a public relations train wreck. Um, <laughs> Hannah picks up her bag to leave. Before she go, before she goes, Ashley tells Hannah to call her dad. He wants an answer. The answer is to the question of apparently Tom and Isabel are going to Australia, which is a trip that Hannah does not want to go on. Hannah says, "Isabel thinks that if she gets me below the equator, I'd be free of your influence," which sounds like a filthy euphemism to me. <laughs> Yeah, it really does. And uh, Ashley Marin smirks at this, and she's like, not much chance of that. Oh, and, and it says, and besides, water in Australia runs backwards, and I cannot deal with that. Oh, And so uh, they hug, and Ashley smiles because her daughter's lovable but nuts. Truly a magical unicorn. Uh, mm-hmm. So meanwhile, walking to school with Spencer, Emily, and Arya. Uh, Arya is best is dressed basically like a hip urban update of the whole Vivian Dark Blue concept, except for her impressionist nightmare pants. <laughs> Those pants are like red, white, and blue, like tie-dye stain. I don't even know what's going on down there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Spencer's almost disgusted at the idea that Mrs. D is still changing the sheets on Allison's bed. Um, so the girls hear from Emily that Mrs. D, you know, wouldn't give her a lead on contacting Jason. Uh, Jason needs his private time. Spencer's like, What's the difference between that and hiding out? And Arya's just like, yeah, what does he have to hide from? So it's like, like maybe well, whoever's killing the NAT club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That'd be a so, good reason to hide. So Arya points out they haven't heard anything since that night at Spencer's, you know, from A or Allie. And that's Arya's point because the quiet makes her nervous. Arya doesn't like the quiet. And Emily. The cacophony that is Arya's head. Yeah, I bet she doesn't. Yeah. Emily looks behind them. Spencer turns and smiles. Fucking Toby is pulled up in his old ass truck. He's getting out. He's walking across the street, smiling well, at them. Hold on. Can we talk about how his hair is even bigger? I, it's in my notes, like five lines down. It says his hair is bigger than ever. I mean, pretty soon doctors will have to cut Toby's hair off for fear that it'll go to like stage four metastasization. That's a big-ass hair there. So he's walking across the street. She comes over to meet him. They say, hey. Uh, 
and she says, uh, you should probably hold me right now, otherwise I'm going to explode, and you'll have to explain that to the custodians. And Ari, meanwhile, Ari and Emily just turn around and leave, because they don't want to get caught up in Toby's awful dead mom plotline. Unless he's going to tell them you know, where he gets that conditioner from. Yeah. So, the big hug, uh, and she says, you can't leave me for that long again, because he's, I don't know, gone doing whatever for a week or something. Toby shit. Toby shit. Uh, and so Toby says, oh, it's just a week. And since Spencer says it's more like two. Which and, confused me. Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand that. It really depends on like where the first thing of this episode takes place in relation to the end of last episode. I mean, it was like a week and a couple days. I don't know. It Granted, doesn't matter. We're debating the nature of time on this show, which is mm-hmm. a losing battle. A wonderfully <laughs> losing battle. Indeed. Uh, so she asked him, did he get any answers about his mom? And my notes just say, no, because we're back to this fucking plot line again. Where could he possibly go? Anyway, uh, some, not enough. And then Mona, the wonderful person that she is, she saves us from this stupid plot line by driving by and honking and like screeching, <laughs> practically running over. Yeah. <laughs> Mona literally drives through the scene in Jenna's old Mustang, which is her new Mustang. Uh, so they get all huffy, you know, and Toby says, uh, there was a time when Mona might have driven right over us, you know, like she did to Hannah. Yeah. Toby's like, she must be making progress. And Spencer's like, yeah, she must be working on her aim. <laughs> Mona's so awesome. She just drove right through that scene and it's like, nope, no more dead mom shit. <laughs> so we got the Rosewood High at the courtyard there. Uh, Paige and Emily are sitting at a table and Paige is telling some story. Paige is telling a story about swimming, and she's telling it in such a way that you can tell that even she knows it's boring. Paige is going the, like, super straight hair parted down the middle look. I just, it's like, does Mandy Line hate her or something? I don't know. Right? I don't know if she's, like, the, the hair artist. Well, for a long chunk of time here, like, Paige's fashion isn't any more flattering than her hair. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's I mean, she's got, like, a jersey t-shirt with a huge neck on. I mean, it's. I don't know. Somebody somebody in the costume department is not a fan of Lindsay Shaw this season. Or last season. Yeah, so Paige or is blathering on about... Uh, Maybe the season before that. Well, they they become a fan in season five. Oh, so season... F- well, yes and no. Um. Anyway, so yeah, she apologizes to Emily for talking about swimming. Emily says it's fine. And then she's sorry. Her head is just somewhere else, like not in this relationship. Well, and the, the gist of that swimming story is that Paige got like a great jump. Unfortunately, she was like a half second early, so it didn't count. Uh... That's Ripping. page for you. Yeah. Yeah. So Emily says, uh, I'm the one who should be sorry. I had somewhere else. Paige noticed. Uh, what have you been thinking about, Emily? And Emily says, nothing you need to worry about. Paige says, I like worrying. I'm very good at it. And Emily says, it's okay. You don't have to try and fix me. And Paige is like, well, I'm not trying to fix you. I just want to make you feel better. And Emily just like snaps her. She's like, just let me feel like I'm feeling right now, okay? Paige is like, all right. <laughs> Yikes. Awesome, Emily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hallway, Hannah's at her locker. Mona comes up behind her. Mona's like, "Hello, stranger." Let's Hannah's pretty. Talk cool. about these outfits here, please. I think it was the Pretty Little Liars uh, annotation somewhere where they said they're they're on their way to audition for like a '90s rom com. Nice. Uh, Mona is wearing some kind of like lavender colored dress with this big white trim, and it's all like weird and angular, mm-hmm. and. I can't even describe it. Um, just Google it. And then uh, Hannah, meanwhile, is in something light blue with like black trim, like really thick trim. It's just very bizarre. Way too much geometry in these outfits. Right. 
But yeah, Mona. Hello, stranger. And Hannah's just like Mona. Hannah's not really feeling it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Mona stopped by because she thought Hannah might want to ride on her new wheels, um, take a victory lap in Jenna's old Mustang since she won't be needed anymore. And <laughs> Hannah's like, that's kind of creepy, don't you think? And Mona's like, creepy is this creepy does. Cause what does Mona, that even mean? Because Mona really understands the gospel of Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. And Hannah says icily, like, I'll think about it. She start, tries to walk away. Well, uh, Mona's like so gleeful and happy, but Hannah's not interested. But yeah, Hannah tries to walk away and Mona kind of jumps in front of her and cuts her off. So she's shutting me out again. I can understand the others, but not you. Hannah just stares at her coldly. Mona says, I thought we'd move on after what I did for you. And Hannah's like, that's just it, Mona. I don't know if you did for me. And Hannah walks off and Mona just kind of stares after her wounded. Thinking her thoughts. Meanwhile, in Ezra's classroom, Ezra's <laughs> writing a quote from Jekyll and Hyde on the board. You must suffer me to go my own dark way. Must we, Ezra? Must we really suffer you? So many levels. It's it's still only November in the school year, and they are moving like lightning through so many works of literature. I mean, seemingly last week they were going over the Tempest, but now they live in this grave new world. I, I'm curious. Uh, when you were watching this episode, did you have to keep reminding yourself that like Ezra was A? Because I kept forgetting. Uh... Well, I remember when I first watched it, obviously that fog was like hanging all over this. But yeah, well, because no, they they alternate between like dorky Ezra and then like well, they like the, they keep Ezra. ramping up the the scary music sometimes, like the ominous music, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, because he's a like I forgot from the last episode just because I can't take him seriously. Well, so I wonder though if you were to watch this episode, like say you've watched all, say you, you've watched all PLL, but you just haven't watched like the last three episodes before this. Would you watch this episode and just think, like, man, Arya's pedo boyfriend is even more creepy and obsessive than ever before? Maybe a little, but just a little. Yeah. Um. So Ezra, because he's a dork, says, now, you all know the plot to Jekyll and Hyde, but you don't know the story. That happens in great writing. It gets turned into cliches, and we lose the raw power of the original. But the original, in this case, is amazing. And meanwhile, Spencer kind of looks over at Arya to like see how she's taking this. Uh, Spencer's always tuned in to uh, Ezra. Uh, well, everyone in this class, except for the main characters, could not look more bored. Arya looks pretty bored, too, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And um, Ezra's blathering on about how uh, Stevenson was so caught up in the story that he wrote the draft in three days. He's neglecting to mention Stevenson's superpower, which was cocaine. Mm-hmm. Stevenson wrote this on a huge coke binge. And he's like staring at Arya as he says this. And thankfully the bell rings. Because Ezra always like begins a lecture like 30 seconds before the bell rings suspiciously. I don't know what they do for the rest of class. So when he loses his job again, is he just going to like take to YouTube like doing like recaps of great works of literature that people won't watch all of? Do you think there's somebody out there that does that now? I mean, there I'm- probably is. It's YouTube. Well, I was just thinking, like, from Community, like, Leonard does weekly oh, YouTube yeah. reviews of Frozen Pizza, so. <laughs> yeah, so the bell rings, everybody gets up to leave, and he tells him, clear your minds of all the knockoffs and make sure they're ready to discuss. Mm-hmm. And he's watching the liars file out, and he just kind of can't help himself. He, he waits and waits, he can't hold on any longer. He says, Miss Montgomery, uh, can I see you for a moment? And Ariana kind of comes back to see him. She doesn't look totally into it now, though. No. Uh, and, there, and of course, there's like this like ominous music playing like, oh, no, it's evil Ezra. Yeah, the soundtrack really has to has to paint his gaze as ominous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so meanwhile, an empty well, it's mostly lab. he just seems creepy. 
Yeah. Meanwhile, empty computer lab. Emily, Hannah, and Spencer go into the computer lab, shut the door. Emily says, it's weird seeing her talk to Ezra when we know that she's seeing Jake. What did they think the last episode when he showed up and put his arm around her and all that? Like, what Well, and, what and did they think was going on there? The fact that he had called earlier in that episode and Arnie was like, oh, it's just Ezra. He's worried about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Emily, you ought to be kicking yourself. You started this. Um, so Spencer points out that it's you know hard to see Jake when he's in Harrisburg. Whatever that means. Um, Hannah, Harrisburg you know, is a town, Pennsylvania. Well, you're right. But I mean, we don't know what Jake's doing in Harrisburg. We don't care. Karate shit? Uh, yeah. He's uh, going to come home with like a huge karate trophy for participation. One taller than Arya. Yeah. Uh, so Hannah's like, well, if Arya wants to talk about it, she can. But I am too overstocked on weird, which preach it, Hannah. And Spencer's like, what do you got? And so Hannah gets her laptop out. And she opens it up. She's like, so I found this girl in Cortland named Sarah Harvey. She went missing the same time Allie did. She's blonde, same age. Her parents think she ran off the boy. Her friend set up a tribute site. And so we see this uh, website page for Sarah Harvey with like a guest book and some shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why'd you pick this girl? And Hannah says, I narrowed it down. She's kind of Allie's size. The timing is right. It's not too far away. And Spencer's, I don't, says, I don't remember Allie saying anything about Cortland. And Hannah says, yeah, she never said anything about Brookhaven or taking flying lessons either. Touche. Touche. So, Amanda, if you're listening, is Cortland real? Is that a real town? And I guess it is. Although that just reminds me of Brookhaven and the Ravenswood thing. Like, they already had the creepy town of Brookhaven. They didn't even need Ravenswood. I guess Ravenswood just sounds better as a TV show than Brookhaven. Although, it's funny, like, if you go to Wikipedia and type in Ravenswood... There's been like movies. There's been plenty of things that have that name. It's not like it's a, a unique original name. Mm-hmm. I think they won the Rosewood Ravenswood thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, Emily says, "Should we talk to her friends?" And Hannah's like, I "Already did. Send them an email." And it's kind of like alarms Emily and Spencer. And Spencer's like, uh, "What? What are you gonna? What'd you say? Your friend is our, in our friend's grave." Mm-hmm. And Hannah says, "Spencer, that's exactly what I said. Duh." <laughs> Hannah's getting a little tired of, Han- uh, of uh, Spencer's well, shit here. Well, good because like the last two episodes have been consecutively like Hannah losing to Spencer, mm-hmm. like having it thrown in her face. Yeah, so, yeah. Hannah I says, think Hannah's confidence needs this boost. Definitely, she says no. I just said that uh, we have some things in common. We should talk. It could be like a support group thing. And Spencer says, "Wow, Hannah, you're two for two and she like smiles approvingly and Hannah's kind of like basking in the validation but really Hannah you should just be like fuck you you know I, yeah. I don't need your goddamn approval smarty throw, pants throw a drink in her face mm-hmm. then the overhead projector comes on yeah and for some reason this is a class with like one of those old style projector screens and uh, like an old time black and white film from like the 50s starts playing and it's like this and Spencer's like uh, who did that and it's like a PSA on like the importance of school. I didn't really like, write down the dialogue. It's just like going to school is an important part of participating in society. Uh, but of course, in the, in the middle of this video, it kind of like whip cuts over to a blackboard that says "Alley Alley Oxen Free." Whoever finds her gets to keep her. Kisses. A. This is also in black and white, inserted mm-hmm. into the old timey footage of the PSA about how With a school is good yeah. for good for good for girls and boys. Um, so yeah, Spencer and Emily read the message, then the footage reverts back to whatever the original footage is, and it's like A basically just spliced in a few frames into this overhead projection footage. Um, and Hannah and, says, did we just get dared? Yeah. And Emily says, double dog dared. 
But you have to wonder if some of the Hannah stuff in this episode was originally meant for, like, Caleb, and then you know he just wasn't going to be on the show anymore. <laughs> also, for everyone who's, like, concocting their Uber A theory, the key ingredient you need to add, and maybe this is a CC thing, maybe not, is that they obviously are, like, a failed, like, film school student. Are they? Uh, there's a lot of, like, projects that A works on. Well, CC was a business major. Hannah told us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so back to Ezra's classroom. The door's open. Arya's like, sitting at one of the desks in the front and, of the class. Ezra comes up and sits on the edge of the teacher's desk. So uh, the door is wide open. Right. And he's just going to have this talk about their relationship Well, they're school. They're far enough apart, so should anyone pass, they might just assume this is a normal teacher-student interaction. Though, why the hell would Hackett put her in his class? That is a good fucking point. Unless Maybe he's, he's the only English teacher in the whole goddamn school. <laughs> well, Arya did like exile the only other one that we know about. You never see Ezra like like a different class, and he's just like, "Oh, fucking freshman." Yeah. Oh, I mean, I guess Mrs. I, is, Mrs. Welsh was a English teacher, right? Perhaps. I mean, I don't know how many how many kids go to the school. How big it is. Yeah. He never only, he only never how... mentions any anyone else in any of his other classes. Yeah. Uh, so Ezra says, now I want to say something, and I say it with no expectations. Arya's waiting, you... kind of judgy. Yeah, I put you in an impossible position of Malcolm. I thought I could make all the pieces fit, and I did that because I didn't want to give you up. I was incredibly selfish. And somebody just walking by outside is like, wait, what? Yeah. Well, Arya looks like she could give a shit. She says, I'm sorry. And he says, no, this is my apology. One way or another, I think my days here are numbered. Uh, and Arya says, yeah, mine too. Because Arya's a minor. And LOL. Grow up. Yeah. Uh, don't get ahead of yourself, Arya. You got a long way to go. Yeah. Ezra says, I know it probably used up all my chances with you, but after you graduate and we both leave this place, I'd like to try to be the person you think I am. Arya's like, uh. She just stares at him. And then Spencer leans in and she's like, oh, honey, none of us are graduating. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Uh, so we cut, speaking of which, cut to Spencer's kitchen. It's It's night. Finally, the return of Peter Hastings. Oh, we missed you, Peter Hastings. Where he's trying going? to get a beer. He's getting grilled by Spencer. He, yeah, he's got a beer out. He uh, pulls... A, by the way, it's a fake beer brand that he has. Uh, he pulls a, a knife out to cut a sandwich in half there. He's made himself a sandwich. Probably put some salt on that thing. He does not offer her half. No. It's Peter Hastings. <laughs> it's like in the Hastings house. You, you take the half. You don't ask for it. Well, I feel like if Peter's like... I'm not going to finish the second half. He'll throw it away in front of this hungry person. Peter says, what makes you think I know where Jason is? And Spencer says, he is your son. He's my half-brother. He's like, he says, please, don't be sarcastic, Spencer. Spencer says, that's, this, that, uh, that's sort of the native tongue in this house. And Peter says, have you asked anyone else where he is? I like the the way he talks to Spencer. It's like subtly cross-examining her. Well, he wants to know, have you asked anyone else this? Like, just just to see what they might have said. So if yeah. he needs to get a story straight, he will. So, spoiler for this episode, there's two things you need to pick up on. Is that these two characters know each other mm-hmm. very, very well. <laughs> also, no matter what Spencer will ever tell you, if there's ever like a time jump of years on this show, it's going to have to be Spencer's a lawyer, right? No. She's, she's we'll too get to that later. damn good at it. But yeah, uh, so he's cross-examining. Have you asked anyone uh, else about this? And Spencer says, no, not directly. He says, have you asked anyone indirectly? <laughs> and Spencer says, yeah, Mrs. De Laurentiis. 
And he's like, why don't you drop that right now? And she's like, I just want to talk to him. And he says, suppress the urge. She has to step away just to just to process that. She has to just like turn away and like she's just like, I can't fucking believe this asshole is my dad. I feel like she had to like turn her back and shoot lightning out of her hands <laughs> before she could continue this conversation. And Peter says, Spencer, if you think about it, you'll realize that it's in everybody's best interest that we just stay untangled from the Dillerentis family. <laughs> and Spencer says, Dad, Jason is more than just a, just a tangle. And Peter says, why is it so important to talk to him? And Spencer says, because nobody's even heard from him since he left town. I mean, I, I want to know if he's all right. And Peter says, fine, I can find out where he is. If, if I'm sorry, if I can find out where he is, will you promise me you'll stay away from Jessica De Laurentiis directly and indirectly? And she promises, but like the corners of her mouth are like trying to hide this grin. It's great, subtle acting there. She's just like, I promise. But her, her like, the, you just see the corners of her mouth are kind of twitching. So yeah, Peter leaves, presumably to get on this. I'm guessing that he's gonna go call Miles Corwin, right? <laughs> he's like, I don't know where the fuck Jason is. He's calling PI. Well, him down. Is, isn't that what he means? I mean, it's not like Peter's gonna take off time off work and like travel the country or anything. Oh, which would be amazing. He's probably like, I'll go call the PI. We'll see where he uses credit card last, and you know, yeah. Uh, so go to Hannah's kitchen. It's dark. Hannah's like chatting on like the fake aim there with somebody. Uh, guest user Tina. Hannah's chat that's lingering says, maybe we could meet for coffee. Uh, Hannah has on this like cute short sleeve shirt that's like ribbed for I don't know whose pleasure on the shoulders. Um, oh, those aren't she, ribs. Those are like, like dots. I don't even know what that is. They're like cotton balls or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so she reaches on her back. She pulls up that diary she found from the lair in Ravenswood. It's locked. It's like one of the diaries of lock on it. I mean, you could totally rip that thing off if you need to. You could. Or you could reach around the table behind you and grab a butter knife to go at it, which is what Hannah does. Then Tina comes back with her response, which is coffee sounds good. We get some Hannah's face, and she processes that while still trying to deal the diary with a knife. Mm-hmm. So then we go to Toby's loft, Toby and Spencer. Hands her a notepad and says, it's all right there in the visitor log where Dr. Palmer lives. He's a popular man. He's uh, apparently found the names of six people who used to work at Radley who visited uh, Dr. Palmer. And Spencer's like, what made you look at the visitor's log? And Toby says, I tried to think like you. And Spencer says, good answer. Did you track these people down? Oh, my God, I don't care. Uh, well, it's. <laughs> Spencer's got to be thinking like, God damn, like I am off my game. Hannah's observing me <laughs> like this blockhead is thinking like me now. Jesus. Yeah, and Toby says he tracked most of them down and most of them wanted to talk as long as he didn't get them in trouble. And Spencer says, wait, so these people knew your mother didn't jump. They knew about Wilden and yet never said anything. And Toby says, well, that's because Radley is owned by a big healthcare company, Declodine. That's who pays their pension. Doesn't that just like sound like the name of a company that would like create Skynet? Like Cyberdyne? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so Spencer gets up and she's pacing now. She says, okay, but why would an accident be more damaging than saying a patient committed suicide? And what makes this worth bribing a police officer? Did you try this Decladine place? And Toby says, legal there is run by this woman named Mainway, uh, but you need an appointment to make an appointment. And guys kinda... like Toby just don't get appointments if you know what I mean <laughs> not with that hair also yeah. like so just picture like your fan fiction crossover though where it's like I guess Toby's mom would be Sarah Connor at Radley mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> like at some point <laughs> the T-1000 is going to come back in time and try to kill Toby Spencer, which is cool come with me if you want to live 
Uh, so Spencer is kind of bemoaning that, like, everything, like, why does everything always lead back to Radley? And Toby says, because Radley's where everyone goes to leave their secrets. Wilden, Mona, Cece. And Spencer turns around and says, me? What secrets do you have, Spencer? Hmm. And Toby says, but at this point, I would just be happy if someone would officially say my mom didn't kill herself. Yeah. I feel like Spencer should just be like, fine, officially, your mom didn't kill herself. Can we stop talking about this? Yeah, this isn't the boring storyline you're looking for. Um, Spencer says, did you ever see that Mythbusters where they prove that a mouse can scare an elephant? I'm amazed at the idea that Spencer's watching TV, but I guess I'm glad it's Mythbusters. None of these girls ever have time to watch TV. Of the two official TV shows that we know these characters watch, one of them is Mythbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, Toby's intrigued. I feel like if the second had gone on for three or four more seconds, it would have been Toby saying, no. I have never seen that episode. <laughs> so, uh, let's go to the Ruben Dobru. Emily's yeah. working, shockingly, and Ari and Hannah are there. Hannah's filling them in about this girl, Tina, that she talked to online. Uh, Tina wants to meet them. Ari says, all of us? And says, yeah, as many us as, as we can get. I don't want to do this alone. And Emily's kind of bitchy through this whole scene. says, so, well, you should have thought about that before you hit send. And it says, Em, what's the matter with you? Emily says, there's nothing the matter with me. And Hannah says, wait, have you forgotten that Allie's alive and she's counting on us to make Rosewood safe for her to come back? Emily says, that's right, Allie's alive. She's been alive the whole time, didn't tell us. She talked to us, but she never told us she was alive. And Arya's like, yeah, you're not the only one who feels like she's been playing hide-and-seek since junior year. And Hannah... She means means the Imogen Heap song. Yeah. (laughs) Arya's been playing it ever since she saw that episode of the O.C. It's on repeat. Trey, no! Uh, so Hannah agrees, and she says, you know, sometimes I imagine Allie wet and scared in a cardboard box by some train tracks, and other times I see her in a penthouse dripping diamonds and laughing at us. But we don't know which one's the truth. None of us do. So we have to bring her back. By the way, Hannah has just described everyone's favorite slash fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just then, Caleb walks in. Hannah turns, sees this, lights up. She runs it's, to Caleb. It's funny because there have been five episodes of Ravenswood have aired now. Mm-hmm. And I think in one of them, he like calls Hannah. Right. Um, and so like all this stuff has happened off screen. But if you don't watch Ravenswood, you're just like, it's the next episode. Caleb's back. What's well, a big deal? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she runs to Caleb. They start kissing. Ari and Emily watch. They're happy for Hannah. They're they're watching in a way that they don't watch Spencer and Toby because <laughs> Uh, well, even after a while, though, it's like, all right, all right, you know. Uh, the music playing here over the scene is by a guy named Trent Dabbs, which is a pretty boring name. Uh, this would have been a great time to play a, a ditty by a little-known musical artist known as Tyler Blackburn, I think. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah, think yeah. this needed a, a Tyler Blackburn jam. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the one thing with Emily and Arya watching, Arya, she's getting a little moony. Like, I think she's, she's missing. Now, I wouldn't say jealous as much as just, like, she's like, hey, I used to have that. How would it great would it be if Ari turned to Emily and she was just like said straight face, I need to get my fuck on. I don't think you'd say that on an ABC family show. <laughs> so the we, advertisers would love it. Yeah. So we come back from a commercial and Hannah and Caleb are at a table. Caleb says she's gotten prettier while he was away, even though it's been a week. Uh, although she definitely does have different hair. Uh, and Hannah says, I've been saving it all up for you. Uh, she's glad he's back. He's glad to be here. Sorry, it's the subtext. They're horny as shit. Yeah, she says, uh, he, 
she's she says he knows uh she said he would come to her. God, what do I write in my notes sometimes? <laughs> uh, I don't even I can't even parse that. He knows. <laughs> Uh, but just uh, he's like uh, just coming here is less complicated. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know something about why Hannah didn't go there, and Hannah says less complicated. How? And Caleb says I'm sort of keeping multiple promises to people right now. Trust me, it's less complicated. And Hannah's like, well, is everything okay? How's Miranda? Dead, Hannah. She's fucking dead. <laughs> And a ghost. Yeah. Okay, totally lies and says she's good under the circumstances. She's a ghost. Totally serious. By which I mean her body is, has not rotted yet for some reason. Hasn't it? Isn't wasn't there a thing where like her body wasn't rotting right away? They had to like dig it up and like, cut some hair off her a couple times. I thought that no, the uncle cut the hair off. I remember that. that. Well, they, they had to like do it again because they like they took the hair. They had to go dig up the fucking body again, take some more hair. This is like a necrophiliac's like like should love that show should have mm. kept it on the air. Uh, God. Uh, H- H- Caleb says that the family stuff of Miranda is extremely complicated. Here. I mean, Hannah Spidey sense should be like ding 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 dinging about you how keep many using times that fucking word. Yeah, is being uttered here. Uh, such as it's their phrase. Uh, it's like their safe word. I think Hannah's trying to understand Caleb's vague mishmash. Uh, he's having a hard time saying why he's back. But it breaks down to the fact that he he missed touching her, kissing her. Watching around barefoot and really just, you know, giving her the business in the bedroom. Well, because he'd go crazy missing her. It seems like he was about to say something there. He's like, the thing is, Hannah, uh, the reason I came back and she kind of smiles and puts a hand on his cheek and it's like he just like aborts, you know, and just like, yeah, I missed you. And says, I thought I'd go crazy missing you. And Hannah says, let's get out of here. Oh, yeah. These two are going to go and reenact the love scene from Team America. Mm hmm. That's exactly uh, so, what they're going to do. <laughs> the next day, outside Decladine, um, we see Miss Mainway, which is a hell of a name, walking out to her car. She's the actress who, I don't know her name. I know she's in other shows. She was in the first season of Law & Order SVU. Um, before she can get in her car, Toby and Spencer show up. They um, should have named this chick like like Miley Dyson or something. Just go with the whole Cyberdyne thing. That would be perfect, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Mainway is such a bizarre name. Mainway. Uh, so blah blah blah. Oh, Toby's like Mrs. Mainway. You're a hard woman to see. And she says that's because I'm very busy. And Spencer says too busy to save your company a couple million dollars and a lot of bad press. I want her to look at Spencer and be like, "Whoever you are, you're hired. <laughs> Whoever you are, park my car." <laughs> and she looks back to Toby after kind of considering Spencer a worthy challenger, and she says, "Is your name Kavanaugh?" And he says, "Yes, it is." And she decides. She's like, "Ugh, no, I'm trapped in your fucking plotline." <laughs> Now she has to go talk to this gargoyle and his amazing and impressive girlfriend. Uh, so on a bench picnic table somewhere, Emily and Hannah are meeting up with two friends of Sarah Harvey. This is uh, Claire and Tina. Oh, I've just been calling them faux Emily and faux Hannah because exactly. they, they are doppelgangers. Exactly. This is the Emily analog and the, the Hannah analog. Uh, Tina's the Emily. Claire's the Hannah. Uh, so they say there's four of us once upon a time. Sarah, Claire, Avery, and me. Let's just go ahead and assume that Avery was Spencer. Right? No, Avery's Arya, wouldn't it be? Or I, I don't know. I guess that's debatable. Well, the, the problem is that there's only four. Of them. Yeah, there's not five. I always so, thought Avery would be Arya, but I guess Spencer would make sense too. Yeah, for where this scene goes anyway. So uh, when Sarah disappeared, it was like all of a sudden the center was gone, they say. Emily and Hannah know what they mean because Allie was the same for them. The Emily analog 
who was Tina, says that Sarah was the reason they were all friends. She was just one of those girls that seemed to be everything and have everything. And out of nowhere, she decided to talk to you. She makes you special. And Emily's nodding at this, and then Claire is saying, Avery thinks Sarah is still out there somewhere with amnesia or something. One day she'll just show up out of the blue, walk back into our lives, and wonder what all the fuss is about. And uh, Tina says, Avery couldn't make it today. She had to do something. And Hannah, well, and when she says that, uh, her and Claire kind of exchange a look. Uh, Tina and Claire do. And then Hannah says, did the four of you guys ever go to Rosewood? And Tina says, you've got that funky little movie theater. We went there a couple times. And Claire says, it, it's like she kept us all on hold when she disappeared. Left us dangling. And Tina says, that sounds like she did it on purpose. She didn't. Something happened to her. That's what everybody thinks. And But then Claire says, except Avery. Uh, she's the last one who saw her. And Hannah's like, on Labor Day? And Claire says, it's the day after Labor Day. I mean, right off the bat, I'd rather watch a show about these, these four other girls than Ravenswood. That's true, yeah. So day after Emily's like kind of trying to confirm and Claire saying, yeah, the first day of school, I saw Hera riding on her bike out to the big park we have. They found the bike, but not Sarah. So Hannah and Emily kind of exchange looks and Tina says, is it different knowing she's dead? Emily's like, it's different, but it's not easier. This isn't really a comfort to anyone. Now I'm just yeah. curious how far away Cortland is from Rosewood. So uh, we cut to Ezra at the bookstore. You know, it's daytime. He's outside the bookstore. This is the same bookstore we saw Ari and Ella buying books. It's the mm-hmm. same bookstore where Ezra and Maggie were buying Malcolm's scary books. Ezra's looking at one book near the spinner rack. Uh, on the spinner rack, we see Agatha Christie's Evil Under the Sun, which is a oh, he, book. He's looking at that uh, rear Woolrich. window and other Yeah, Cornell Woolrich, which I'm guessing Ella didn't buy. I guess not, unless they, they have a lot of those. Yeah, it's, it's Joseph Doherty's like, personal copy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and then we hear from behind him, we hear Mona exclaim, Mr. Fitz. Oh, Mona. Mona is like doing like kind of a modified like Princess Leia bun thing now mm-hmm. with like some kind of bangs in the front. I mean, it's a little closer to maybe how like Padme dresses in episode two. Uh, she's got the little buns up on each side. She, she looks glowing. Lovely. She's in like a cardigan, very prim and proper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is Mona saying to you, Mr. Fitz? Uh, she says, hi, uh, you always have a book in your hands. And Ezra is like, oh, it just seems that way. And Mona says, she wanted to tell him he's, she's having a really good time with Jekyll and Hyde. It's just so gruesome in a really good way. Other one. All <laughs> what, reviews, what does that even mean? <laughs> all reviews on Goodreads should be that succinct. It's just so gruesome in a really good way. So Ezra's happy that she's enjoying it. You know, Mona's happy that Ezra's back teaching. So is Ezra. And Mona says, Spencer and Emily think that you're the best. So does Arya. And he, Ezra kind of twitches a little at that. He's picking up on something. And Mona says, I- I'm a little envious. And he's like, envious? And Mona says, of the other girls, the support they get, how they depend on you. Makes me think how much better I'd be doing if I found the right mentor. Ezra just kind of smiles and nods cautiously. It looks like Darth Dandy Pens has just found his new apprentice. Mm-hmm. So we go back to Duckledine. Spencer is handed uh, a copy of the Marion police report to uh, Mainway here. Keep wanting Mainway. to call it Janeway. Yeah. Uh, it says, someone at Radley thought this should be covered up, and they got a police officer to do it. And... Mainway says, that's a great deal to assume from one document. Spencer says, well, there's more where that came from. And Mainway says, what is it that you want, Mr. Cavanaugh? 
Toby wants everyone to know that his mother did not commit suicide. He says it in the stiffest way possible. She should be like, seriously? That's it? Get lost. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, yeah. she says, well, I, I don't really know how we could help you with that. And Spencer says, someone at a sanitarium you own paid Detective Wilton to alter his report. And Mainway says, Riley is just one of the facility in the Declodine family. Spencer replies that she bets it caused them, them more trouble than most. And Mainway says, a loss like this, closure's difficult. Well, Spencer won't let her, like, hypnotize Toby with, like, lawyerly platitudes. Mm-hmm. Spencer says that, you know, she'll need closure, too, preferably before her next stockholders meeting. And Mainway's just like, gulp? Meaning what? <laughs> Spencer points out that, you know, if they're here, that probably means there's other problems with Radley or worse. You know, Mainway says, well, that's all conjecture. You know, you can't prove any wrongdoing with what you have here. And Spencer's like, oh, we don't have to prove anything. We just have to go on the internet and say it. That's how the internet works. And Toby's face is like, you got served, girl. Yeah, and Toby's just nodding. And it's like, man, A has taught you well, Spencer. You really know how to blackmail someone. Well, I think it's partly Find their A, weak point and just press on it. It's partly A. It's partly her parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we cut to Hannah's house. Hannah comes in. She's on her cell phone with Arya. She's telling Arya that the dates don't work. Someone saw this girl, Sarah, after they poured the cement. We hear Arya be like, crap. Well, I, I feel that this is an important detail because um, every so often I'll see these theories online that are about Allie and, and you know, Sarah Harvey and Sarah Harvey and, and when Allie was pulled and when the body was put there. So if they poured the cement the next day, it means whoever whoever was in the grave and, and in the box now, they were killed that same night. They poured the cement the next day. So it all had to happen in one night. It wasn't like they just went back later and put it in there. Yeah, they'd have to die. I mean, just from the the medical report, they'd have to die somewhere around the time that, you know, Alice Well, it, we knew resumed. it would have had to have been somewhere around time. Now we know it had to be the same night. Yeah. Because otherwise, how would they get them under the cement? Well, I mean, I'm assuming that they're, they're claiming that other aspects of the, the ME report was altered. But I think just like they could do like a time of death, you know. For a year? Has, well, that's a good point. I mean, to the day, no. But if we know that they poured the cement, now we know, yes, yes, they had to actually die that same night. Good point. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Hannah's like, yeah, Arya, crap is right. Then she hears her mom laughing in the kitchen. She gets off the phone with Arya that goes to the kitchen to investigate. To her surprise, there's Ashley meeting with Mrs. D. Did you notice how uh, Jessica De Laurentiis, like, towers over Laura Layton in the scene? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's, like, three feet taller. Uh, Mrs. D seems so happy to see her. Andrea Parker must be, like, really tall. She says, hello, Hannah. <laughs> um, it's good news. Ashley's going to go work for Mrs. D in her real estate office. Hannah's wow is so, so genuine. Ashley's <laughs> giddy. She bounces off in the other room to find a copy of her real estate license. Because, of course, Ashley Marin would have a real estate license. Hannah's like, you made my mom so happy. Mrs. D says, you know, when I found out she wasn't working at the bank anymore, I figured that it wasn't her choice. People in this town can be very intolerant. Yeah. And, uh... And then Hannah says, well, thank you. And Miss D says, oh, it wasn't my idea. Allison suggested it. And Hannah's just like, gulp. Like, wait, what? Hannah's like, shart. Yeah. And Mrs. D says, uh, she still shows up in my dreams. She wanted uh, me to help. Such a great comfort seeing her. Yeah. Uh, Hannah's face is like, well, this is weird. But again, gratuitous praise must be showered upon the writing for and acting by Andrea Parker. She's so good with, like, does she need to be mysterious? Does she need to be menacing? Or does she just need to be like like a flighty whack job? 
<laughs> yeah, she you're can, never sure if she's crazy or not. Well, she can bounce back between all three of these, not just in a single scene, but sometimes like in a single sentence. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like the way she delivers, like the most mundane of line of "I need to change this comforter." You know? <laughs> okay, so we're back outside. Lucky Leon's cupcakes. Mona's sitting down with Fitz. Uh, I just sent you all the dialogue for this. You want to run this one out? Do some bros watch PLL two theater. Because uh, this dialogue's all fantastic. Hey, buddy, you enjoying a day in the park? Um, wh- who do you want to be? Uh, I don't know. I'll leave that to you. Uh, do you want to be Mona? Why don't you be Mona? Because <laughs> you want to be Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be Mona. Okay, so I'm Ezra. Uh, you shouldn't sell yourself short, Mona. You're a strongly motivated student. Well, so we should talk about their, like you said, their front of Lucky Leon's. They're sharing like a cup of coffee at mm-hmm. a table outside. But yeah, Mona says, I've had to be. I mean, I've had a rather Dickensian life up until now, full of folly and grudges and false imprisonment. People thinking I'm one thing when I know I'm something else. But you know all about that sort of thing. What makes you say that? Um, and he's like a, straight up just like staring at icicles at her now. Just a feeling. Maybe it's the books you have us read, you know, all the masks and secret identities. That reading list is very revealing if you know what to look for. And what are you looking for, Mona? What did the Count of Monte Cristo want? Do you think you're entitled to that much revenge? You're in that school every day. You've seen what's happened to me. And I know about some of the things you've made happen to others. He is without sin, Mr. Fitz. And now Fitz leans in, elbows on the table. Let me tell you what I've learned about Rosewood High. Is that fear is the number one motivator. I wish it was love of knowledge, but it's not. It's fear. Fear of failure. Fear of being discovered. Fear of liking the wrong person. You figured that out. Somewhere along the way, you dumped all that fear. And that's what makes you special. Special? Moi? But it also makes you vulnerable. See, fear can be a very good thing, Mona. And keep you from underestimating people. And keep you from making mistakes about how far you can push someone before they push back. And Mona's starting to look pretty scared now. Like maybe this went away she did not intend. Hmm, well, I I knew I could count on you for good advice. Well, feel free to talk to me anytime. I mean, this, first of all, true story. Count of Monte Cristo is my favorite classical literature novel. Um, but yeah, it's a great scene. Like it starts off like as it's really like a, like two supervillains are enjoying a cup of coffee mm-hmm. together. It's not quite the right analogy, but it's like Magneto sitting down to tea with Mister Sinister. Yeah, it's um, not the right analogy, though. But you get where I'm going. Yeah, um, yeah, but, like. Uh, but so yeah, Ezra, you know, he takes a big sip of his coffee, and he looks back and watches her go. She walks off. What's nice about this body language, especially like in the the parlance of TV, is even the most neutral expression, which is really what's on Ezra's face, mm-hmm. looks a little woeful. Woeful when the gaze is cast over one shoulder. On the gaze and the music, and and just yeah. capping off that conversation, where it really seemed like Mona was tweaking Ezra, and then he basically like tweaked right back and was like, "Look, bitch, I'm more dangerous than you think." Yeah, I mean, and actually scared her. Yeah, it, it did. She, I mean, she went from one point during his conversation when he's doing his whole like fear monologue, which mm-hmm. is even better than like Darth Maul's, you know, from Phantom Menace, is that she She goes from like disgusted to like kind of laughing at him, the way she laughs at everyone who talks down to her. Yeah, and then he somehow like gets his fingernails under her skin. Um, 
So I guess uh, Dark Dandy Pants may not be recruiting Mona as his apprentice after all. What a uh, wonderful so, scene. I really, I've forgotten how great that encounter was because I, this is maybe like the second time Mona and Ezra have spoken to each other on the show. Well, it's a great, it's for the first time though. I mean, again, Mona was A for the first two seasons, definitely, and for off and on, at least for parts of season three. Mm. And here's a character asking her point blank, do you think you're entitled to that much revenge? Which well, really gets me to a lot of people, though, when you when you talk about who A is, you have to think about, like, what could have been done. Like, that's the question you should be asking is what would motivate you? Because this isn't just like simple revenge. You know yeah. what I mean? A is putting in day in, day out, like minimum 12 hours of work, let alone just editing video footage. <laughs> well, if there's one thing Ian Harding can do well, it's the the smiling without smiling eyes move. Yeah. Where, like he he smiles, but his eyes just like dead, like dead eyed Superboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go to the Rosemont Main Street Park. Uh, it's like Cannon and Caleb are on a park bench. I'm thinking this is probably the Cannon same park Caleb? bench. Did I say what did I say? You said Cannon and Caleb. Cannon and Caleb. That yeah. sounds right. Um, this is where I think Hannah and Lieutenant Tanner had their amazing conversation back in the first half of this season. Probably. Uh, Hannah's telling Caleb that Miss D says that she talks to Allie in her dreams, and Caleb's like, "Well, maybe she does." Hannah points out. <laughs> LOL. Up, if that's you, dumb. Well, if you've watched Ravenswood, that's funny because there's yeah. ghosts on Ravenswood. Yeah. Oh, talking to you in dreams. Yeah. Hannah points out that that's dumb. It means you're talking to yourself. It's oneric conversational masturbation, Caleb. But oh. Hannah's like, I'm not. Uh, I'm not as quick on the draw as I used to be when it comes to reality, which is a sentence that would require a whole afternoon to unpack. <laughs> what do you mean? It's complicated. Ding. Hannah says, you know, you've been saying that a lot lately. When you don't want to answer a question, it's complicated. He's like, well, things are complicated. I may not want them to be, but they are. All kinds of things happen. We're not expecting them. It's hard to explain. Fucking try me, asshole. Well, remember, Hannah's just unlocked the two-for-two badge with Spencer earlier. So her confidence is pretty high. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she says, try me. And he says, Ravens had turned into more than I thought it would. Um, Hannah says that she knows. That's why she's glad that Caleb is out of there. Hannah, I might have to go back says what do you mean might and he says i have to go back <laughs> no you don't i do i told you i made some promises and she says what kind of promises and don't say that it's complicated and caleb says there's just some stuff i have to take care of that's all and for, the, i'll say for the for the fan who's just watching plo who's never watched ravenswood this has got to be an incredibly frustrating scene <laughs> yeah as church bells ring in the background like tolling for the end of their relationship Hannah is not happy. Well, so, Crystal, if you're listening, I guess this answers your question and ours. At some point, the church did get their bell back. How? Who knows? Is, well, is... you know, Caleb's Uncle Daddy shows up on Ravenswood, actually. Really? That guy's in, like, an episode or two. Because some, some old dude cr- uh, croaks, and, like, it turns out he was a relative, and so, like, Caleb's dad inherits the house or something. I remember the old guy croaking. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. Is, he, is he like, Caleb, can I ask you a question? What the hell are you doing in this creepy-ass town? Seriously. Let's just light the house on fire for the insurance money. Shit. I think that's actually what he wanted to do. Or at least nice. that's how I remember it. Nice. So, cut Spencer's kitchen. Toby's reading something in a piece of paper that he presumably got from Declodine. He seems happy, which is scary, facially. Um, he asked Spencer if she's ever thought about being a lawyer, and she says, only in my worst nightmares. And she just has, like, the greatest smile as she says it. Just this big, toothy smile, like, 
Spencer can't be a lawyer. Like, she's got to spend her whole life making sure she never becomes a lawyer. Not even by accident. And that's how she'll become one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, only in her worst nightmares. And she's like, well, how do you feel about this? And he says, I feel like I should tell my dad. And <clears throat> he's like, uh, yeah, you know. But he thinks the more important thing to do right now is lean in and kiss her. And so, of course, as they're doing this, Peter Hastings enters and she, she kind of pushes Toby off. Like, she actually pushes him away. She's like, oop. Well, she's home. like, she's like, hey, dad. And Peter, this is, this is how he's, hey, Toby. Toby. And he sets his coat and briefcase down. Toby's like, Mr. Hastings. And Peter says, uh, you know, your mom's has a wall to wall deposition. So we're on our own for the night. And Spencer's like, okay. And then Toby says, your daughter is very smart. She's like, I know. I know. Idiot. I know. Takes a drink of some expensive bottle of water. Yeah. And Toby's like, no, I mean, she's a genius. Radley Sanitarium has to admit my mom wasn't a suicide. Uh, it was a cover-up. And Peter kind of starts to loosen his tie now. Maybe a little uneasy to be hearing about this. And Spencer, of course, notices this. Because right. whenever, like, like when these two are in a room, it's like Toby doesn't even matter. It's like he's just this idiot who keeps talking. Spencer needs her family's approval so much. She also knows them as basically her greatest enemies. Well, and I think she's thinking like, Toby, you dumb bastard, shut the fuck up. You don't just start like spilling shit like that around random members of the Hastings family. I I wanted her to like stab Toby in the thigh under the counter or something. (laughs) Like, shut the hell up, you know? Yeah, but uh, Spencer knows that Peter's like peak curiosity. Mm And Toby's reading from the letter. It says, uh, an exhaustive internal investigation found oversight issues. Appropriate actions will be taken. Yank, yank. <laughs> and Toby's like, you should have seen her. And he hands Peter the letter. And kind of, even though Spencer tries to like, grab it away. Yeah, she does. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, and Peter's like, this is Decaldine. And Spencer says, yeah, Radley's bad for their image. So this gives them cover to clean up. And Peter says, if they're admitting this much, there must be a lot more. Spencer says, yeah, there is, but this is all we really wanted. She's like, this is all we really wanted. Peter says, it's good. Spencer got them to blink. She has a, if she was a real lawyer, though, she, he tells Toby, she would have explained that sort of opportunity, the sort of opportunity that Toby has here. Peter says, they could do a lot of damage, shut the whole place down. And Toby's like, close Radley. And Peter's like, mm-hmm. So once and for all, we've always assumed that Peter Hastings is, is probably a corporate lawyer, but. Uh-huh. Is he like an ambulance chasing corporate lawyer? I don't know. I just love the way he's like, well, she was a real lawyer. She would explain to the kind of opportunity. I, I want him just to like somehow from one sleeve produce a business card and hand it to Toby. <laughs> Call me son. And Toby's like, did you hear that? Shut down Radley. And Spencer's just nodding, like clearly pissed. She's like, yeah, I did. He's like, Toby, could you please leave? I need to just glare angrily at my father for the next two hours. I wonder if you're like, am I not standing right here? But am I hard of hearing? Yeah, mm-hmm. so especially looking at her dad, fearful where this would go, but I guess she's going to have to suffer their own dark ways. Mm-hmm. But I mean, basically what Peter is saying is, Toby, you're not good enough for my daughter. You're not good enough for my landscaping. But I'll represent you. It's like, we could get you like a shitload of money with this. Like, yeah. do you realize what this is? Then maybe you'd be good enough for my daughter. Probably uh, so- not. Meanwhile, on the side of the road, somewhere vaguely Main Street, Rosewoodish, uh, Arya's waiting for somebody. A car pulls up. Oh, Arya's uh, in a kind of black dress with brown boots on. She looks know, black leggings. When she leans into the car, the top of her dress looks like the Black Swan's prom dress. Well, 
this dress would be normal, just like a little black dress, except it has these huge, like, frilly things on the, like, right sleeve only. Like, yeah. I don't even know what's going on there. It's hideous. Darth Ruin Your Life uh, mm-hmm. has an interesting closet. Uh, it's Ezra who pulls up. Uh, she leans on the passenger oh, side. On the window. Like, what is she, a hooker? She's, like, leaning into his car. He's like, are you one of those, like, uh, silly girls who have, silly boys who <laughs> pretends to be a girl? Nope. I'm all really, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ezra's wearing a scarf, so he's obviously evil. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, she's leaning in the window. She says, oh, thanks. Sorry for calling you like that. And he's like, no problem at all. Like, seriously, I have nothing else to do. And she says, can we go someplace? And he's like, I know somewhere, if you don't mind to drive. And Ari's like, yeah, I don't mind. So she just gets in, and they drive off, a scary music plays. I mean, seriously, everyone on the street, they're like, well, my high school English teacher just picked up a hooker. <laughs> anyway. Um, so over the Rorendo Brew, it's night, the place seems empty, Ellie's clearing up cups and plates. We see the shadow of a person pass by the window nearby, and we hear like a bang. She gets a little on edge, she goes to investigate, she's, there's pounding on the door now. She picks up like a, like a pot of water, like you'd use to make tea or coffee, that uses a weapon, more pounding on the door. Presumably like hot water, I guess. Presumably. It's Claire at the door, the Hannah analog. Uh, Claire remembered that Emily said she worked here, so Emily plays it cool, and she looks at the pot of water in her hand, and she's just like, Want some tea? <laughs> smooth, Emily. Very smooth. Meanwhile, at Ezra's fuck cabin in the woods. It's weird that we both wrote the same thing. Because that's what this is. Also, the first shot of the interior of Ezra's fuck cabin in the woods is mason jars. <laughs> well, yeah, we get exterior fuck cabin, then interior fuck cabin. As the camera moves over to kind of show us Ezra's pouring some coffee and Arya's just checking the place out. Some it's canvases sacked against the wall. It's very homey. There's some books on a shelf behind the couch. This and whole cabin a is clock the on the wall. The interior of this cabin is brought to you by Pinterest. Yeah. Uh, and Ezra is saying, uh, check in on this place for my friend when he's out of the country. He writes here when he, or Ezra writes here when he can. Uh, there's no cell service, no internet. It's close to town, but not too close. So it's kind of perfect. So this is. They've been broken up, what, like three weeks, maybe a whole month, if you factor in the time jump at the start of this episode? Eh, time's a mysterious thing in Rosewood. True. Arya's looking around, appraising it. Granted, it's not like Ezra's always been totally forthcoming with Arya about yeah. everything. Um, so, Well, she says it's kind of like the place we talked about once. And he hands her coffee, and he's like, yeah, it is, but by the time my friend offered it to me, uh, things have changed between us. You know, Ezra land. Yeah. But, but I like that, like, it's close to town, it's not too close. It really gives the writers, like, breathing room to do whatever they want as far as, like, stakes and limitations of the uh-huh. fuck happening. Uh, so, Arya has to ask Ezra a question. Uh, the question want? is, yeah, five or the ten. Um, Ezra well, says, the, the delivery of that, the look on her face is great. Like, it's, it's almost like she's actually displaying a little bit of agency <laughs> when it comes to Ezra, even though she is asking him what he wants, but she's still just like, like, what, what is your deal, you know? Yeah. Like, you keep making Mooney eyes me. What do you want here? Whoa. It should be painfully clear. But he says, right now, a time machine. We could start over, and I could avoid all the big mistakes. And Arya says, somebody might say that we were the big mistake. Somebody who's called common sense. And Ezra says, I don't buy that. Yeah. Ugh. What an asshole response. And Arya says, I'm seeing someone. And he's like, I know. He's like, I know. And R.A. says, and Mr. Hackett watches me like a prison guard. And Ezra kind of smiles. He's like, yeah, I noticed. <laughs> and R.A. says, I swear I would strangle Maggie if I ever got the chance. Uh, when R.A. said that, full disclosure, 
I think it moved. Yeah. Well, and she looks at him, but he gives no reaction at all. So she sighs and she's like, it's not just that. Things have changed. They're all just inside out. And I, I wake up and I have to lie there for a couple of minutes just, just trying to remember what's real. Perhaps the adrenalized hyperreality is something you can catch, like Ebola. Topical. Dissociative personality what? Uh, but so, but Arya, like, when she delivers that line, she walks over in the shadows, and you see, like, her in the foreground as the background. I like that it's basically reverse framing. They lit this sequence, like, <laughs> Arya is the one with the secret, but we know uh-huh. it's Ezra. Of course, in is, Arya's isn't world. Isn't she, though? Yeah, in Arya's world, she's always the femme fatale who has the secret. Um, Ezra reaches into his pocket, pulls out a key, and, and puts it in Arya's hands. He says that they can have this place. That's real. She asks for how long. Ezra doesn't know. And this is a big commitment issue, guys. When your high school English teacher gives you a key to his special fuck cabin in the woods, that means well, your relationship is really going somewhere totally normal and not at all potentially murderously creepy. And then what he says after it really clinches it. This is the creepiest thing he's ever said. He says, it could be our secret. <laughs> Shut it down, Arya. Yeah, jump out a window and run. <laughs> it could be our secret. Then he cor- she looks up at him, uh, he caresses her cheek, and they kiss. Then they look at each other, and then they kiss again. Ezra's about to bang Making her out against fears. the wall like yeah. a captain bangs a bottle of champagne against the side of a boat to christen it. And Arya's thinking, you must suffer me to go my own dark way. And then she flips him around and bends him over. Mm. Well, I mean, is there ever a good time for somebody to say, it could be our secret? That's always bad news, right? Uh, to continue the prequel analogies, I believe that Anakin says that to Padme. Shut it down, Arya. Uh, so at the River Under Brood, Emily's talking of Claire. I don't know off the top of my head, or is not in front of me, the actress who plays Claire. I thought she was really good in this scene. Yeah, she is good. I mean, the, the one who plays Tina didn't have much to do except for exposition, but Claire but here actually has some, some based work on the to scene, put in. Like, I would like to see this actress do other stuff. She's really good. Um, especially in the context Her of name the is scene. Skylar Day. Wow. <laughs> that, yeah, she's a star. <laughs> um, so I like to set up here because obviously Hannah's, you know, got stuff to handle with Caleb, but Emily the skeptic, of course, is the one that gets dragged back into the whole Sarah Harvey storyline. Uh, Clara wanted to tell Emily what Avery was doing today. Emily says, you said she was, you know, doing something. She was busy. Uh, what Avery's been busy doing is sleeping. That's mostly what she does these days. They keep adjusting her meds, but it just gets worse the longer Sarah's gone. So I guess you're, you're saying she's Spencer Avery is because of the, uh, like, gone craziness. Gone crazy, but she's the one with the theory. She's the one okay, who saw yeah. her last. Too by that. Um, yeah. So Claire says, you know, I'm sure Allison was a great person. Dot dot dot. But Sarah wasn't. She was pretty and poised and perfect. And everything she gave you, she took two things away. She, I can't talk about this like to the others, but so I'm saying it to you. And Emily's like, why me? And Claire says, seeing you today made me so jealous that line <laughs> was amazing to me claire is basically jealous that emily's friend is dead definitively claire thinks yeah she says i'm sorry i'm terrible that's what i keep thinking you're done you've you've got your life back not us and she's gone but she's not gone and we can't get away from her and i'm so tired of being sarah's friend just sucks the life out of you and emily's nodding because emily is just like girl I know exactly what the fuck you're talking about. I mean, but talk about staring through like a mirror darkly. Uh huh. And Claire says, no, you don't. Uh, I wish Sarah was dead before she disappeared. I told you I'm a terrible person. And Claire gets up and hurries away. Did you ever try murdering her in a hypnotic daze? Because I did. It was wonderful. Um, And Emily's just thinking, uh, I think all those thoughts too. 
Yeah, but it's 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 such an interesting like people who've been through grief mm-hmm. like this or uh, ambiguous losses or what have you like you feel this weird cavalcade of a spectrum of emotions and they're not all pretty. They're not bad necessarily, but they're not the kind that you can explain to people <laughs> who haven't felt something similar. So we got to Hannah. Good thing she has a doppelganger. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that the Hannah doppelganger is saying this to Emily. Although really, it's kind of Hannah and Emily's who, who well, they, they've all dealt with the storyline individually. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I was thinking of Hannah in the chair and Emily in the you know murder. Oh yeah, yeah. Knock days. Um, Hannah's house. We cut to Caleb comes in the back door into the dark kitchen. Hannah follows. Caleb has to go. She says, "No, you don't." Caleb says it's time, and Hannah tells him that his watch is broken. And Caleb's just like, it's late. And he tries to grab his bag, but Hannah pulls it away and tells him, she's like, take me with you. Well, they, they have a tug-of-war over the bag for half a moment. I want to see the gif where this tug-of-war lasts forever. Well, yeah, because she's like, take me with you, and he's like, I can't. She's like, they'll follow you. And he's like, don't. And he grabs the bag, and they're like tugging a war, and she finally pull, yanks it, or he yanks it away. And now she just looks like like terrified, like not of him, but just like of what's happening. And she's like, is this about Miranda? And he's like, it's not like that. And Hannah says, like what? And Caleb says, like what you're thinking. And says, what am I thinking? I mean, is this about the girl I told you to look after? Well, tellingly, he can't even look her in the eyes. Yeah. And he says, she needs me. And Hannah just like dies a lot inside. Like, well, what I love away. about, in general, the scene is that it's, it's at times that they're talking nonsense. No, you tell me what I'm thinking. It's petty at times. I mean, this is what breakups are like. Yeah. Well, and also, it should be pointed out, it's nighttime. There's, like, one light on in this house. Everything's dark, except mm-hmm. there's a, a light that's kind of below them, shining light up in their face, so they both look slightly, like, ghoulish as they talk. Right. Especially Caleb. Especially. he's such a bastard. Uh, and so, yeah, Hannah, like, hearing she needs me just crushes her and he says well, it's not like that sounds and Hannah says you say that but what am I supposed to think and he's like well I can't tell you what to think I don't you know I don't even know what I'm thinking and Caleb says all I know is that I have to go and you have to stay and Hannah's like shaking her head and he's like it's best for both of us and he walks the front door and opens it but then Hannah slams it shut she says Hannah please don't do this uh, and Hannah says, do what? What am I doing? I'm, I'm just standing in front of my own door in my own house. And Caleb's like, I'm sorry, I have to go. Hannah says, why am I supposed to make this so easy for you? And Caleb's like, this is not easy. And he opens the door and she slams it shut again. And then we see Ashley is kind of descending halfway down the stairs behind them to, to watch this. Mm-hmm. And Hannah just says, God, I gave her to you. I'm so stupid. He says, you are not stupid. That is not what happened. And Hannah says, well, then what happened? Tell me what happened. And he's like, I can't. And he opens the door and leaves this time before Hannah slams it behind him. She's crying. Looks over to her mom. And Hannah says, is this how it works? They just leave. It's not you. It's me. And then they're just out the door. Ashley comes like running down the stairs to her daughter. This calls for wine. Yeah. Any moment calls for wine. Ashley says, no. They hug. Hannah's crying. Caleb, you fucking bastard. Yeah. Well, this is what's so annoying. It's like, what should happen is like Caleb should be like, "Hey, wait a minute, fuck you guys in Rosewood. I'm going back to my awesome girlfriend. Like, why would I want to stay here with your stupid ghost curse? Like, this. I hope this entire town burns to the ground. You can all eat a dick, Caleb out. Like, that's what he should say. That would be the great if that was the first like 45 seconds of <laughs> Ravenswood episode six. Because there's just no logical explanation for like Caleb. Why do you want to go back to that awful town when you have like this awesome girlfriend here? 
I I just think there's some good ideas mired in the Ravenswood concept, and a lot of it was just not thought out fully to mm. its like its natural extent. Uh, so you know, it's pictures. Oh, because it, it forces this breakup that just like Caleb just doesn't like, feel organic at all. Just feels like a complete dick. Yeah, like over nothing. Yeah. Um. The they didn't find they didn't have enough time to develop a story where he would naturalistically. Well, it would only kind of feel natural if you'd been watching Ravenswood. You know, if you're just watching PLL, you're just like, what the fuck? But I mean, it worked a little better even on like Buffy. You know, where you had you had you may not have liked it, but you had cause for like why Angel had to leave. Sure, sure. Um, so in such a kitchen, Peter Hastings has scotch. So all was right. Oh, we're, we're I have to r- talk about this. Please. Uh, so Peter Hastings has poured himself a tumbler of Glen Callan 30 single malt scotch. That's expensive scotch. That is not real scotch. That is a fake brand that's made up by a Hollywood prop company to provide like fake brands to put in movies and TV shows. That's You've seen a lot of movies scotch. and TV shows out there where people are drinking Glen Callan 30. It doesn't exist. It's true. I looked it up because I'm like, how expensive is this scotch? And it's like, oh, it does, it's not real, which blew my mind that they have fake scotch, like specifically designed for like the sophisticated man, like Peter which Hastings. Is funny because on Community, like Jeff Winger actually drinks McAllen, which is a real scotch. But he also drinks Glen Collin on Community. Does he? I know mm-hmm. I've heard him say ask for McAllen neat. Pretty sure he drinks Glen Collin as well. Mm. Uh, mm. It's been on a lot of stuff. So, so, wait, so hold on, hold on. So a company created yeah. this, yeah, this fake scotch. They also created the fake beer he was drinking earlier. Which was what was that called? I didn't get the name. I, I want to go to this website. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spencer comes in and asks him, "What are you doing?" Well, in the the way she comes in, this very cool rack focus shot where he's in the foreground, kind of swirling his scotch, and then we just see like her specter loom in the background, and then it rack focuses to her as she walks forward into focus. It's like, what are you doing? And Iraq focuses back to him. And he says, just trying to help. Spencer says, Toby doesn't want your help. And Peter turns. He's like, oh, I think he does now. Well, so I like that. Like, this is how Peter played it. He could have equally just played it with, as soon as she walked in and said that, he could have been like, took you long enough. <laughs> or he could have played dumb, but his, he knows his daughter's not stupid. Yeah, yeah. So she asks, why is Peter suddenly so interested in closing down Radley? And he's like, I've actually been thinking about it for quite a while. That place is outdated and dangerous. Toby's mother probably isn't the only victim of that place. You figured that out. That's why you were able to leverage that letter out of them. Also, is it possible that he's already had like two or three scotches? He yeah. looks mildly blitzed right now. <laughs> That's Whenever uh, Nolan North loosens the tie and like like does something of his hair, he goes <laughs> straight to looking mildly <laughs> blitzed. So Spencer asks what her dad gets out of this public service. And I wrote, he gets an inch closer to Hastings and Hastings and Hastings and Hastings. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if a show like How to Get Away with Murder could be a hit, so could a show about a family law firm. <laughs> and he says, Spencer, I saw you in that place. You can't tell me you wouldn't like to see it taken apart brick by brick. And Spencer's like, oh, so you're doing this for me? And he kind of like gives like this like very insincere nod. And she's like, I'm touched. But well, she's he's like just, not even making eye contact with him now. He just shrugs like, like sure, yeah. whatever. <laughs> that works. <laughs> I always do what's best for my family. And he walks off and she just like staring straight ahead and then like turns like behind him as he goes. Just like, what the fuck is going on? Speaking of which, meanwhile, in Ezra's fuck cabin, there's a cool steady cam shot here. We start over on Ezra kind of sitting in bed, smiling, waiting. 
And then we pan over past a painting of a train, because Arya's the conductor. Mm-hmm. And we get over to Arya. She's still, you know, clothed. Not She's not, like, in PJs or anything. She having she's dark. Yeah. standing by a window, looking outside, and her reflection is looking back at her. Very interesting. This is uh, her dark journey. Oh, Ezra's thinking, that was the greatest 30 seconds of my life. <laughs> and Arya's thinking, like, I can't believe I had to do that again. I don't think I don't think they've gotten there yet. I feel like they're no. they're on their way. It's it's very weird though because they're obviously there for the night. I mean, he's undressed for bed. Mm-hmm. Like he's like just waiting. I mean, he's well, he's waiting. Yeah, he's like Neil Patrick Harris. Like I'm not going to force myself on you, Arya. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> if you haven't watched Con Girl, that's going to sound really weird. <laughs> but Ezra kind of, he's looking over from the bed. He's kind of curious as to what, what's going on in Ari's crazy brain. And then he looks down and we see there's like this little kind of latch handle in the floor to like mm-hmm. pull up a little trap door. And he like looks at it, looks back at Arya. Arya I'm sure that. Star- staring out the window. That every cabin that's over 20 years old has this. Uh, it's the kind of like, it's the latch that usually you flip up to reveal like the basement below. It's usually where you hide either Jews from the Nazis or where you have like your horrific torture chamber. Yeah, definitely. So then we go to Emily's place. That, that was like that was it for that Arya scene. There's no dialogue at all. It's just yeah. kind of like what they're doing, all communicated by like you know. It's a visual. very interesting sequence, yeah, and especially for them. No offense to the directorial stylings of Chad Lowe, but to hand to like Chad Lowe, who's maybe not the most experienced director in their house. You know, I'd say he's probably pretty experienced by now. Oh, uh, he does a good job with that. Well, scene. you know the. Chad Lowe, he's, he's an interesting character because he's brother to Rob Lowe, and Rob yeah. Lowe is like this notorious, uh, like Hollywood, not, not sleaze, but just like Hollywood lifer. You know, he's been there. Yeah. He grew up there. He has all these crazy stories. Um, and Chad Lowe was right there with him, but we never really think of Chad Lowe that way. I would make the argument that Rob Lowe comes off incredibly likably sleazy. In the same way, like I feel like Rob Lowe in the past, well, whatever West Wing came out, uh-huh. everything post West Wing, yeah, yeah, basically had the same kind of makeover that like uh, Robert Downey Jr. had on the big screen. Yeah, you know definitely. I mean? mm-hmm. They found a way to use his gifts to not like disacknowledge that he might be disgusting in real life. He certainly has a few SCPs. They found the right personas for him to play. I mean, when he's not, him and his wife aren't busy, like, trying to bed their babysitter or what have you. Um, I would love to see Rob Lowe. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Don't sue us. I would love to see Rob Lowe and PLL as, like, Byron's brother who had Byron's something bad brother. happen to him. Yeah, who I'd also like to see on PLL. Um, the, there's a guy named Troy Baker. He's basically, like, the other Nolan North of the video game community. Hmm. Like he would be hilarious as like Peter Hastings, like brother that's never been mentioned before, just because of, of voices. I f- I mean they they play the same this type guy, of roles. If, if I'm if I've got this right, he looks like a uh, like a younger Dan Stevens, or maybe an older Dan Stevens. Uh, I would think he plays younger. Okay, Dan Stevens is looking a little weathered right now. Is he? I haven't, I haven't seen the the guest. Well, he's, he's looked like he's on City Miles there. By the way, uh, Claire, that actress, she's been in a lot of shit. Has she? A lot of TV stuff. She has. She's on Parenthood for a while. Hmm. So, nice to see she's getting work. Yeah. Anyway, where are we? 
Emily's place. Uh, it's nighttime. She's talking to Paige. Emily says, she's telling Paige, says, Allie, let me kiss her once. And Paige says, I'm not sure, so sure I want to hear this. Yeah, and yeah. Emily's like, I'm not so sure I want to tell you. But I had to say it out loud. She let me kiss her. And I thought it was this incredible gift. Now I know it wasn't. And Paige says, what changed your mind? And Emily says, I realized it didn't mean anything to her. I don't know. I don't think she ever loved anybody. I don't think she knew how. She just collected love from other people. I love that line. I mean, obviously, it makes Alice sound like a total sociopath. And it's, but this I, is Emily's interpretation, but it may be accurate. Yeah, but I love that line. Um, yeah, Paige is surprised that Allison has been gone so long, and Emily is still thinking about her. And Emily says, it's because she broke my heart, which Paige should have gotten that already. I mean, this is it's not like she hasn't also seen, you know, Emily pick up the pieces of her life after uh-huh. her life died. But uh, Emily's like, no, I mean, like, like really? I could hear it crack inside. Oh, well, first love. And Paige says, I hate her for being so mean to you, so cruel. And he says, cruel would mean she cared about what she was doing. I don't think she did. And Paige says, is this how you finally start to say goodbye to her? And Emily's nodding. She says, I guess it is. And Paige kind of puts a reassuring hand on her knee. They stare at each other. Yeah, we go outside. We're like looking at them through Emily's window, and uh, the camera starts to pan away as the music montage starts. But I like that this is two scenes in a row where Emily, like, people are trying to reassure her or make her feel better, and it's about like a a, a life that they don't realize she doesn't have access to. Well, and it's it's all under this assumption that Allie is dead, but she's not. Well, and like, oh, problem. Emily, you should be so relieved. The best, the best times are ahead of you. You can rebuild, and it's like Emily's not heading down that path. You have to because suffer her some different dark ways. Her first love, who might be a sociopath, is back. It's and not who even knows her own. the kind of havoc that's going to wreak on Emily. It's not even her own dark ways that she has to suffer through, too. Mm-hmm. Somebody else's. So then we kind of fluidly pan from that from that montage into outside like a coffee place somewhere. So music starts playing. And I'm pretty sure this is not Tyler Blackburn. Jam not either. Tyler Blackburn. Yeah. Uh, we see Caleb. He's got a cup of coffee. He's heading to his car. He then looks over his he car. He suddenly drives a fucking Jeep. Where did this Jeep come from? Seriously. Did he just, like... Maybe he actually did sell the, uh, like, the Beamer or the Mercedes or whatever it was he had to get money. And then he's like, well, fuck, I gotta get a new car now. Well, I'm just pondering, like, is this a more expensive car? Well, it's, isn't this, like, just the most, like, typical car you would give, like, a teen bro on a show? It's always, like, some kind of, like, sporty looking uh like jeep thing oh well, but it's not like, like didn't like has... zeth cohen drive like the same thing oh i don't remember what zeth cohen drove but it's like it's not like this is a sports car though it's like an suv type thing it's I... yeah it's some sort of sporty suv that has like kind of suicide doors that open or something you put your surfboard in it <laughs> it yeah it can four wheel i'm sure uh so yeah she's leaning against the car he walks over they both just... hand is yeah. yeah, they both just look weary. Hannah says, like, look, whatever happens, I'm not going to let that be the way we say goodbye. So he just whispers, like, goodbye. Well, he nods and they hold each other's gaze and she's like, goodbye. And Hannah says goodbye and he sighs, he gets in his Jeep. And then he, he'd set his coffee on top of the car roof and so Hannah grabs it and hands it to him. She says, hey, if you get your own hat if it wasn't attached, even though he's not wearing a hat. It just says head. Was there, she said head? head? Not hat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he takes a coffee and she says, uh, "He, sorry." He says he's not going to forget anything. Yeah, 
And then he starts a car, he leans back, or so she has to lean back, and he just drives off. I really wanted her to just, like, not lean away. Yeah, well, <laughs> just be like, I'm gonna go now, Hannah. <laughs> he's, like, driving, like, three miles an hour, and she's yeah. just, like, shuffling along in the car. I, I mean, want her to, like, throw the coffee in his face. Yeah, be really. like, that's how we say goodbye. Fucking piece ass. of shit. I send you away for one week, and now you're two-timing you, me with a ghost. Do you remember the first time Lindsay left on Angel? No, I don't. So, sorry to derail this for a moment. It's wonderful. Angel's wishing Lindsay goodbye as he's leaving LA. And he mm. just says, hey, you know, like, watch out for cops out there. And Lindsay's like, huh? And he gets in the car and drives oh, off. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then I don't remember what Angel wrote in the actual back of Lindsay's truck. But it basically like, says, like, fuck cops. cops or something, yeah. <laughs> cops suck or something like that. Uh, so she watches him, like, drive down the street and go around the corner. She looks desolate, but she has no tears now. Then we see, like, you know, from Kev's perspective, he has to basically pull over and start, like, manly crying. Pulls over and lets the tears flow. He bangs the steering wheel. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo. You could have avoided all of this, Caleb, if you just told those people in Ravenswood to fuck off. That's the stupid thing. Is What's going on in Ravenswood is there's some sort of curse he's wrapped up in. Mm-hmm. Where, like, he almost died because of this. Like, why don't you just leave town? Just be like, fuck it. I'm not even going to be around for your stupid curse to take effect. Exactly. If the curse lets you leave town... Uh, I don't need to finish that sentence. But yeah, he, he cries. He tries to stop crying. He cries harder. It reminded me that nobody cries as good as Jack Shepard on Lost. That is true. Uh, uh, so presumably the next day we cut to, we're back in that crypt of Allison's marker uh, when we, we started the episode. Hannah's like caressing some flowers over there and Allison's still like... Still very weepy. Yeah. Emily, Arya, and Spencer are there. Arya's wearing a jacket that looks like bubblegum ice cream. Spencer says, so we still don't know who's in there. Who's in the box? Ari says, just know that it's somebody. Emily says, somebody's daughter, somebody's friend. And Spencer says, rest in peace, Jane Doe. What is the animal in Spencer's dress? Um, oh, that's a good question. I think it's actually a pattern of like, like pumas, maybe. It's hard to tell. Pattern of pumas? Mm-hmm. Right. Hannah turns back to her friends. They can finally see in the, her face that she looks pretty messed up. So they ask if she's okay. She says no. She digs yeah, in her purse. Shakes her head. Thing. No. No, I'm not okay. I've been okay like since A showed up. Yeah. She pulls out that diary from Ravenswood. They ask what this is. And Hannah says, it was Allie's. She showed it to me. It's sort of like a diary, but more like a journal where she wrote things. Emily asks where Hannah found it. Hannah says that she took it from that lair in Ravenswood. I love that she actually says lair. Yeah. And Ari's like, wait, you had this the whole time? And Spencer says, why didn't you just show it to us before? And Hannah says... Because of what's in it. Because of what she said about us. All of us. So Spencer takes the diary and Hannah looks guilty, maybe a little ashamed. Mm. Uh, some serious Hannah face. Spencer starts flipping through the pages. Uh, I caught one page here. In the, mm. in the page, Allie has written, In truth, this is not so much a diary as it is a record keeper. I need mm. to keep track of everyone's dirty little secrets. Secrets I can use to help my day be a little bit more fun. And also use everyone's dirt against them in order to get me out of this boring little town. Hmm. Lovely girl. So this is from the is that from the first page? That's from like the page before the first page, like the one they flipped to before it. Okay, because I like that the way that they like you see when Spencer's holding it. She's like holding it, flipping through the pages, looking at Hannah, like kind of giving Hannah like a shit look. But I like the way that she kind of flips back to the first page. It's almost like she's rewound. Yeah, that was from the second page. And what's funny is all, on the third page, the the kind of heading of the entry is practically sisters. And she's mm-hmm. talking about Miss Prissy Pants, little Miss Prissy Pants. That's Spencer. And she's mm-hmm. 
She's talking about the secret that they are literally practically sisters because they share a brother. I think we've just kind of given you a glimpse of what's going to be in this diary, especially in the coming weeks in PLO. But so we cut to the A-tag, a I guess we'll call it. It's Ezra's fuck it cabin. It's an A-tag. It's night. It's, the cabin is empty and dark. Someone in a black jacket, black gloves, black pants, lets themselves inside. Presumably, for all intents and purposes, this is A. It, it looks like they're wearing a hoodie. It looks like that from the shadow. From the shadow. Past. The shadow looks like a hoodie. We see that the shoes they're wearing are all black chucks, which I don't know if that's A shoes or it even matters. Yeah. Uh, they go to the floorboard thing, the little latch, and they start to lift it up. Yeah, they go straight there, move the carpet aside, and lift it up, and we see like nothing but blackness beyond. And if you're like, man, I really can't suffer through these guys and their dark ways and the fact that they're going to keep referring to this as Ezra's Fuck Cabin, the next episode is called Love Shack Baby. Actually, I think it's called Ezra's Fuck Cabin. <laughs> Baby. Which is a little known B-52's B-side. Uh, so a little, I guess, just tidying up at the end there. Uh, I want to thank Jenny Lidbury, who just today you mentioned on Twitter and Instagram that she was listening to us. You know, we appreciate it. We're, we're always like curious who's actually listening to us because we're still amazed that there are fans, which hi everybody. So, uh, when I saw that, I took a quick glance at your Instagram page, Jenny. Sorry about the intrusion. I love that one of the first things I saw was a cake wearing the frostings that said act normal on it. Bitch. It didn't say bitch, unfortunately. Uh, also, thanks. <laughs> That'll to... make more sense later. I'm not insulting her. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, hope Jenny gets it. Uh, also, thanks to Heather Blakely for listening. Uh, mentioned us on Twitter, I believe, yesterday. And uh, thanks to Shay Fernandez for helping us get to the bottom of the eternal mystery of R.A., Beach Hottie, and Board Shorts, all the same person. And how many of them are indeed Ren? Probably all of them and none of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Everywhere, next episode, no Love Shack, baby. The A in Shack is a capital A. Because, of course, written by Laya Baraz, uh, directed by Norman Buckley. So that will be a fun one. Oh, we're definitely looking forward to that. Um, yeah, if you want to get in contact with us, you can go to our website page, which is broswatchpll2.com. Or you can tweet at us. We are at broswatchpll2 on Twitter. Uh, if you like the podcast, feel free to rate or review us. Rate and or review us in iTunes. Uh, I think we're up to 22 now. 21 five stars and one four star. So... Thank you to everyone. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you Nobody so much. Nobody seems to hate us yet, so that's pretty cool. Not yet. Not yet. I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm sure we're working on it. Uh, yeah, so that that's about it. Uh, anything else to add? No, just looking for next week as usual. All right, well, we'll be back to talk about Lotion's Baby. Ezra's Fuck Cabin. <laughs> Ezra's Fuck Cabin with the uh, capital A in Cabin. We'll be back to talk about that next time. Okay. Bye-bye.